This is Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success with Stefan Horst and Dave Antiel. Welcome to the Performance Delivered, insider secrets for digital marketing success podcast, where we talk with marketing and agency executives and learn how they build successful businesses and their personal brand. I'm your host, Stefan Horst. The topic for today's episode is how to use digital ads to drive brick and mortar sales. Here to speak with me is Chris Madden, who is the co-founder at MatchNote, an ROI-focused internet marketing company that serves its clients in the areas of digital strategy, traffic generation, and conversion optimization. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Stefan. I'm excited to be here. Now, Chris, before we explore today's topics, I want to learn more about you. Tell our listeners about how you got started with your career and then what led you to founding MatchNote. Thank you for the question. So yeah, a little bit about me. I'm a career entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for 20 plus years since I got out of university. And my early years of entrepreneurship, I, I, I have to be honest and say that I treated them somewhat like an exercise. I was aware that I wanted to be an entrepreneur in my life. My parents are both entrepreneurs. And I definitely treated it as educational in my early 20s. Uh, which is to say that some of the businesses or all the businesses that I started were great in what they taught me and experience is what you get when you don't get what you set out <laughs> to get. So none of them were massive financial successes, but what it did give me was a real foundation um, in a lot of different kinds of businesses. It also got me good at sales and marketing. And I did a few different things, including living in Costa Rica for a few years and doing sales there. And so sales was a real core competency. Technology and marketing were the three things I was always interested in. Uh, as I got back to the United States and started doing some ad hoc, hoc work with some uh, freelance clients, it turned into my agency. And that my clients uh, became my co-founder, whose name is Brian. I believe you've also spoken with Brian. And um, that takes us to where we are now. That was nine years ago. We started MashNote uh, before a the first Pearl Jam concert at Wrigley Fields uh, in 2013. We decided, hey, we know each other. We've been working in this for years in different constructs. Let's start an agency. So that was on a Friday night. On Monday, we went to a co-working place together, and we've been doing it ever since. Uh, maybe five years after we started, uh, and this gets to the point of, of driving real worlds, brick and mortar conversions with digital ads, uh, that same uh, venue, Wrigley Fields, uh, the owners of the Chicago Cubs, the baseball team that plays there became our clients. And the flag from the concert we were at that Pearl Jam night that when we started the business was behind glass, like in a display in the meeting room where we were signing the contract. So we kind of looked at each other and gave each other a high five at the progress we'd made and shared the story with the client. So uh, it was a winding entrepreneurial road. And I think a lot of it prepared me for what we do now. Nice, nice. Now, how is running digital ads to generate e-commerce sales or online leads different from driving in-store sales? The main way that it's different is the conversion that you're going after, meaning all of the ads that we run for our clients are for a specific purpose, either to drive a sale, to turn a person into an interested lead for a business, uh, whatever it is that our client is aiming for is the thing that we're trying to drive with our ads. So we have a couple of e-commerce clients, we love it. Uh, and we have other clients that uh, the conversion is fully online. 
So when the conversion is fully online, you're simply firing a pixel on the client's website, say on the thank you page when someone checks out from buying the products. And then we're able to see in the ad platforms that you know we track a conversion that the ad drove and, and, and that uh, virtuous cycle of optimization can be very clean. Now, when the conversion is not on the internet and it's actually in real life at a point of sale system at a retail store or a restaurant, or when your goal is to get somebody to show up at an event, we have to get a bit more creative at what that real life conversion is and how we can get it back to the digital ad platform. So that's the main difference is like where the conversion takes place. And it allows us to be very creative and to figure out ways to get these real life conversions to automatically track back to an ad. Interesting. I mean, how, how do you get feedback from an offline conversion into your into your online platform in order to optimize account? How, how do you how do you focus the budget that the client gives you to create the most impact? Well, there are a few ways. And, and first is just generally testing. In order to have the most impact, we have to try different things and have different ideas where we're continually improving on whatever success it is that we have built. So uh, in this case, the testing that you're asking about that we're talking about would be like, what is that conversion? What is an offline conversion that we can turn into a digital conversion? Uh, there is a very kind of manual process by which you can just take the conversion, the you know, email addresses or the phone numbers of the people who checked out at your point of sale sir, uh, at your point of sale system if you're say selling shoes you can literally take that list and upload it to Facebook and Google and see how many of those people saw an ad now that's manual and we do do that but that's just one of multiple ways that we will uh, try to create a full picture of what's going on more to the point would be uh, this is back in the day now like maybe seven or eight years ago we had New Balance as a client and some New Balance stores in Chicago, and they had promo codes that were specific to the platform. So people would say, I saw the ad on Facebook, therefore I get 15% off. And that was a way for them to create a line item in their data that showed how much revenue was coming from the ads we were running. Now, when we started doing that, it was, it was too much of a disconnect. We're running ads on Facebook ads to try to drive people into stores. It's certainly going to take days, if not weeks, for people to actually go to the store. And then they just get the promo or mention the promo code. And our client three weeks later would say, here's the numbers. And at first, the numbers weren't great. So what we did it there, and this is an example of creating a digital conversion, was we put a landing page after the ad that said, if you want this 15% promo code, enter your email address to get the promo code. Uh, and that really helped. We got a really great case study around that story uh, and it really helped. Nowadays, you know, again, that was seven years ago. Nowadays with uh, what's happened with, unfortunately the pandemic in the United States, generally people were not using a lot of QR codes before the pandemic. Now everybody's using QR codes and it's still very common to go into a restaurant, scan a QR code. That's the type of thing that we can create a digital conversion for in uh, in real life experience that then we can fire. Uh, the QR code is simply opens a link on our client's maybe restaurant uh, website and seeing that particular link is assigned to us that someone's obviously in the location. So, so that's another example. There's a bunch more examples that I'd love to share in this conversation, but really it's using a lot of creativity on site in real life to say, what is something digital that we can create in this experience that will fire back to the ad platform? Now, Chris, it sounds like the delay in 
response in regards to whether your activities drove an outcome uh, is, is, is a main challenge for driving um, offline sales. Would you agree with that? It is to the extent that you don't understand how long that uh, lag is and to the extent that you don't have expectations aligned between your team and the client to make sure that that's going to be understood and that will be measured and understood in that way. Does that, does that also mean that you potentially need longer before you can determine what works and what doesn't work? So the reason I'm asking is obviously when you, when you run activities that drive online conversions, whether it's sales or leads, right, we usually get feedback immediately. You know, there are some some products, luxury products, cars, etc., where where kind of the conversion cycle is, is much longer. But for many kind of fashion, etc., you get an immediate conversion. It's kind of a sure. maybe seven days uh, window, right? Um, so we don't need so long to determine what works and what doesn't work, and can then start to really hone in on on the parts of the campaign that we want to drive more and the ones that we want to kind of you know scale back. How, how is that for, for when you really help brick and mortar stores? How, how, how long does it usually take before you guys can start optimizing campaigns? And how do you communicate that to the client that it will take potentially a little bit longer? Well, that last part of how do you communicate that to the client has to start during the very first conversations we have with them before they're our client. And part of what we want to understand is how open are they to those discussions? There's certain big companies we've seen where, and they don't have to just be big companies, I'm just giving an example, where there's a culture of say only last click conversion is the only thing that they're gonna consider or count. Well, we know that going in and we know that there's not gonna be much of discussion about these more nuanced considerations of what's actually driving these conversions. So we are looking for those signals right away, both like, are they open to this? Will they understand it? Have they done this before? Sometimes they come to us with a very nuanced understanding of how long their conversion path is and that that's a challenge. And they might say something like, our CEO totally gets that and we're okay to invest because we know that we're gonna look at this monthly and we're not gonna look at these numbers every day. So we are listening for that and, and trying to get a sense of that in the client in the earliest discussions that we have. And then how long is it usually, is it rolling back on your questions that you asked, it, it completely depends. Like you said, a week starts to get on the uh, longer term, specifically with some of the changes that have happened between Apple and Facebook with app tracking transparency in the last couple of years. Um, those windows in which we can pass that data back gets, gets more constrained and there's fewer devices for which that works well. Um, but the, one of the keys that we found is we track multiple conversions. So certainly we're going to pick one particular conversion that we're optimizing around and one particular true north conversion when we're talking to the client. But those are two different things sometimes. And the, the conversion that we start with right at the beginning, like you said, we're going to want to get some immediate feedback. We need to turn ads on and see within a couple of days some signal of things are going in the right direction or not. So it might be like the case uh, I shared around the New Balance stores where there was that lag and that lag was too long of a chasm for us where we just didn't have any visibility on anything that was going on. And so what we did was we created that digital conversion, which was give us your email address. And that happened, of course, in real time, you know, seconds or minutes after uh, someone might see an ad. And then we had to confirm, okay, are people who are giving the email addresses actually showing up in the store? You know, there could be a digital conversion that, that hurts your ultimate conversion. Uh, in this case, we found that it just greatly helped. Not only did we 
get these email addresses, but we also saw the numbers of people going in and redeeming uh, at the point of sale and, and buying things was increasing. So uh, similarly, we worked with a company called Four Eyes, which is eyeglasses. Uh, they had a digital conversion about telling, setting an appointment to come in to have your eyes examined. So depending on the business, there can be uh, a natural way to get people to make a digital conversion happen. Give your email address, tell them you're going to come, RSVP for the event. That then allows us to have both that real-time, faster digital conversion, but then we're also tracking and can see and sometimes can switch the optimization once we really understand how well things are working. A test might be to switch the optimization to the in-real-life event and see if that improves things. So it's a matter of testing. What we start with is not where we end. And it really is important to us that the marketing leaders that we're working with at the companies are, you know, coming to us wanting to have that sort of nuanced discussion. And that not that they're, you know, someone on their team might have a, or one of their bosses might have a closed mind to it. So um, it is nuanced for sure. The last part really seems to me one of the most important parts, right? If the expectation is set properly in the beginning, and if you know that your client is does understand that it's not something that, that creates immediate response that is visible, you know, you, you obviously set yourself up for success in the long run. Because otherwise yeah. you have a client that sits there and gets impatient because they don't get the data they might be used to from their from their online activities. And, and you might have just set yourself up for failure from the beginning. Absolutely. And that is so important for us to listen to early on. That would be an example of someone that you know, might not be a good client for us if we can hear that they're not interested in that. If we have to convince them of these things in the earliest discussions, it's usually not going to go super well. Sometimes, like I mentioned, they're coming to us and they know that this is the challenge. And they say, again, our leadership understands this is an investment and they understand it's going to take weeks, not days. Um, so those are those sorts of things are very clear signals to us that that we might be in a place to really move the needle. Do you set these campaigns up differently when you when you're focusing on offline sales, or is it pretty much the same as you would set up campaigns for for online conversions? Well, there's some nuance in the setup being different. Simply when you just choose a different conversion um, in Meta Ads Manager, there's uh, sometimes a different flow and sometimes different ad formats and things that are detailed differences in the way an ad might look or how it's set up. The, those platforms, i.e. the ad platforms, Google and Meta, are cha changed so quickly that that detail to me is less important than the idea that really what we're trying to do with any ad and if and if you're a advertiser or a business that wants to run ads to really just drive impact for your business that uh you to be creative in what the conversion is and really we step back from things like ad setup which are important but they're details and we have people on our team that are experts in understanding those details in in real time but what's really important is can we create a conversion uh, that gets very close to uh, proving that this ad led to a person spending money in your location. And we are oftentimes less concerned with uh, what that conversion is, as long as it shows us that someone's in person, saw an ad and showed up. And then, of course, you know, we would love things like being able to see how much money they spent. Uh, we work with restaurant groups and there are some restaurant 
backend reservation systems that really just don't play nicely. For instance, OpenTable, when we see a restaurant group that uses OpenTable, we're not as excited as the restaurant group that uses another platform called Seven Rooms, because we know that Seven Rooms plays extremely nicely in that we'll be able to run an ad to a landing page that Seven Rooms is creating for our restaurant client, and that when that customer goes and dines at our client's restaurant, that, that all of that information is tracked, includes, including how much money they spent, so we can get like real ROI. And, and that's a perfect example of your question about how long is the lag. And what I would ask you is, how long do you usually make <laughs> dinner reservations before you go out to dinner? You know, So that's really like a consumer psychology question. It depends on the experience. So when we get my eyes checked, I might be like the next available time. It might be next week. It might be tomorrow. Um, similarly with dinner, maybe if it's a, you know, some of our restaurant clients are higher end and more expensive and they might be special occasions. So maybe it's a week or two, certainly more than a month that we're not going to be able to connect that back to, to the ad. And so we would definitely have to have some sort of a digital conversion that's getting us, you know, far along that journey in that case. But you know, anything that's a week or even two weeks, I think works really well for this. Now, have you seen industries where this, um, driving offline sales or brick and mortar sales from online activities works better? Yeah, I mean, like I just mentioned restaurants and with the right system, meaning a, a point of sale system that in the restaurant that integrates with your, your database of customers and people who uh, make reservations to show up to your restaurant, that can work extremely nicely. But then if they don't have that system, it really gets difficult. Uh, and then again, those are maybe higher end, more expensive restaurants. It used to be that restaurants on the lower end, not on the lower end, I shouldn't say, I just mean like a, a lunch restaurant with no alcohol. So the check average might be $10, like a quick service restaurant rather than a uh, fine dining restaurant with uh, alcohol where it might be more like $50 a person. So a $10 a person restaurant, quick service restaurant, traditionally have been challenging for us to do this with. Uh, and we've tried it. We've had clients in the space and it was just kind of mixed reviews. It was also COVID. So there are a lot of challenges going on with those sorts of restaurants. But that's where the that's where the QR code thing came in. All of a sudden, we just had this aha moment of like, oh, the QR code. Now we can set a very specific URL that that QR code will open. And, and that is our digital conversion that shows that someone's in the store because they only you know, see that QR code in the store. Uh, so, so for restaurants, it, it depends on the type of restaurant and what systems they're using. I mentioned uh, more retail focus. So uh, New Balance is, of course, a shoe business, and we're trying to sell, sell shoes in the store. We know in that, that, of course, you can buy New Balance shoes online. We're actively trying to avoid online sales and only trying to avoid uh, or only trying to drive in-person sales in their stores. Uh, the other one that I mentioned was Four Eyes. And, and so for Four Eyes, that's a, re that's a retail eyeglass and eye doctor business. And what really worked well in their case was people are used to making appointments for eye exams. And so that digital conversion that could happen again minutes or seconds after they see an ad uh, really was a big unlock there. And then we can see, okay, this, this ad led to this person uh, making an appointment to go in on Tuesday. Are they showing up on Tuesday? And pretty quickly we knew what percentage of people would show up. And then of those that show up, what percentage of people would buy? In fact, the business already had those numbers. 
So all we had to do was just be sure that our ads were performing as well and around the baseline. So, you know, that's retail for eyeglasses, like light medical, light healthcare, uh, shoe retailers, restaurants. Um, there are some, I would say, just pure event, like free events can be kind of hard uh, to track people. You need you need something somewhere where uh, they, they, they are buying something or using, like connecting to Wi-Fi. Uh, so we worked with Gallagher Way, which is a large entertainment district uh, outside of Wrigley Fields. And so they have bars and restaurants and events. And there is a campus-wide Wi-Fi. And, any you know, for free, people who are there because they're seeing a concert or doing yoga or shopping can connect to the Wi-Fi. And similarly to the QR code example, connecting to the Wi-Fi opened up a specific page where you just had to say, yes, I want to connect and click connect. And that became our digital conversion. So uh, that's a wide array of businesses. The ones that it doesn't work as well for would be the ones like you mentioned, maybe have a really long lag between the time when people show up and when they might make plans to show up. Uh, And then also any situation where we can't think of some sort of a digital interaction that might be happening. Interesting. Now, you earlier talked about how important it is to kind of get the buy-in from um, from the leaders at brands that you engage with. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything else that, that marketing leaders at brands need to do to facilitate this online to offline strategy? Yeah, certainly the choice of systems uh, is a thing that, some, like I said, when a client hires us, the systems are already in place, you know, almost all the time. And so we're asking them, okay, what is your system? What is your CRM? How does your business work behind the scenes? And, and there can be choices that, that marketing leaders or, or non-marketing leaders in the business make that make this work either extremely smooth or extremely challenging. Uh, and, I, and I just know situations from our clients where, you know, the CEO of the business happens to be at a trade show and he meets the vendor and he likes the vendor and that's why they buy that particular software, even though that particular software is not the one that plays well with all the systems that we need to connect. So I'd say uh, systems choice is an important one for leaders at businesses uh, who want to try this sort of online to offline strategy. And then as you've referred to a couple of times, I would say expectation setting uh, within the leadership throughout the business to understand how this works and that this is not the same thing as turn ads on like, let's see how it did tomorrow or in two days. It's a little bit of a longer time horizon. So I think thinking through that and understanding that is important for um, other business leaders or or marketing leaders in in the same business. And then the third thing I would say was it's always important to consider how these different marketing channels for our clients is very rarely that the work we're doing or that paid social, for example, would be the only marketing spend that they have or marketing activities that they have. And so we do really try to understand how our activities integrate and overlap with, and maybe the same person, of course, might have seen multiple marketing activities. So how do those things fit together? And so having a nuanced discussion that we don't have to do it every week. You know, of course, we want to have true north metrics that we can very quickly say this this was a good week or this was not a good week. But being able to have that more nuanced discussion of our all of our clients, customers are relatively busy in their life and there's a lot of things coming at all of us. So just understanding that these 
marketing efforts are taking place in that context in people's lives and that it might take a few days. And so, yeah, I think the expectation setting is a big piece. Now, should brands that, that listen to this and, and think, hey, you know what, I, I need to talk to Chris, um, how should they think about your service? Is your service kind of a performance-focused solution that at the end of the day is about driving sales or is it more, you know, growing awareness and consideration than as an add-on we drive people in store? Now, it's definitely the first one, which is we're here to drive sales and we are measured on ROI and kind of as an add-on, you get impressions and awareness. Uh, so we are definitely, brands should definitely think of us as, okay, we're going to put $1,000 or $10,000 or $100,000 into this channel. How much are we going to get out? And, and that's why that's why those nuanced understandings of attribution and how different channels are working together and what's really going on in the customer journey are so important to have because that is how we at MatchNet are graded. Uh, when those numbers go very well and the relationship goes well, that's how our business works. So, yeah, I think brands should think of it as, you know, a test and we can make a short term, short term test to prove the numbers. And then we you know, build long term relationships off of that is, is but but it's always about ROI for us. Are you able to achieve similar ROIs than that of, of, of online advertising that really sells products online or generates leads online? Or are the return advertising or return investments in general lower? Uh, we have seen them be very similar. Now, okay. it's a little harder to track. So, again, we do have to have a little more nuance in how we're putting all these numbers together and deciding you know, what, what the best, I don't want to say estimate, but what the best number is for any particular performance. So, you know, every business is different. For instance, if you're New Balance, you're selling shoes, there's a lot of fixed costs in the shoes. So if someone's spending $100 in a New Balance store, and we know, say, $50 of that is literally just the cost of the product, uh, how much they can spend on ads to bring, you know, that $100 transaction in the door might be really different than four eyes giving an eye exam because, you know, you know they have fixed costs in their stores and the employees in the stores. But if it's just an open slot, having somebody in that eye exam, uh, in that eye exam open space, uh, unused inventory essentially is a different consideration as far as what you, what percentage of that revenue do you want to pay in advertising than uh, a, fi a, a pair of shoes that has a fixed cost. So even within the brick and mortar space, what a company might be willing to pay or what we might expect or what we might have as a goal for the return on ad spend is very different. I would say though that that's more of a factor than is it online or is it offline? Uh, we've run online ads for brands that did not go as well for, for various reasons in, in, in the way their business was positioned or, or built. And then we've run uh, in real life or brick and, you know, online to offline, online ads to brick and mortar, what we're discussing here that, you know, have had a 10 row S. So it really is more about the business and, and what they're selling and what they can afford to spend uh, in their unit economics on advertising than it is online or offline. So we've seen absolutely uh, similar performance and there have been cases where the offline business does better than the online business and vice versa. Do you consider a lifetime value for these campaigns as well? Yeah, we do. We love to talk about lifetime value and we do, of course, consider it. And it's another thing that completely depends on the 
business. Certainly, in almost every case, we're considering and being asked to segment new customers from returning customers, assuming it's a business that, that that's relevant. You know, we don't have any mattress clients, but if you have a mattress client, people don't buy mattresses that frequently. So you really just want to find new people. So all of our clients pretty much are interested in, is this a new customer for us or is this an existing customer that we've already marketed to that we already have a relationship with? And those two groups are often treated differently as far as what they want the target return on ad spend to be for those two groups. It's a very rough way of getting to the issue you're asking about. And, you know, I mean, I, I think that the lifetime value question is hugely important, especially for those businesses that have tight margins or like know that they can't make money on the very first transaction. I would say all of our clients, almost without exception, that we've been talking about so far today, they want to run ads that that in the next transaction with that person, whether it's their first transaction or their 10th transaction with that customer, will make money immediately. So when I say three to one or four to one or a 10 row ads, that, that really is just considering that next transaction. We've seen businesses, and we don't have that many of them, but we've seen businesses where you know, they know that they're going to lose a little bit of money on the first transaction, but the you know their average um, customer buys three times, and therefore um, they're willing to take that loss on the first transaction. That hasn't really been us. That's a little bit of an e-commerce playbook, I think, or like a, certainly a subscription playbook. And we're much more about established brands that are shifting to digital. So a, they're comfortable making the investments and understand like in the ways we've described that sometimes. Parts of this is investment, but to, to learn more about the future. But really, uh, I would say that the numbers have to bear out uh, in the short term, meaning month over month, you know, over a 90-day period, that's what we're looking at. Lifetime value would be like a separate strategic discussion we might have where we say, hey, this is a four ROAS, and these are all new clients. So we know some of them are going to come back. We're not necessarily counting that unless a client would ask us to or, or say that they want to do a win back campaign or like, hey, we know that there's all these people that haven't come back and we think they should come back every 90 days or whatever. We could set up a campaign that answers to that. But I'd say lifetime value is kind of for us a more strategic discussion that is important. But we really are measuring ROI in like who's what the last ad you saw versus the next transaction you have. Chris. A great conversation. Thank you so much for, for joining me on the performance of our podcast uh, and sharing knowledge on um, you know driving driving offline sales through online activities. How can people get in touch if they want to learn more about you or MatchNode? Get in touch by going to matchnode.com. If you're interested in these exact topics, I would flip right over to our case studies page. Uh, there's some case studies about exactly this, including the uh, New Balance one I've been talking about. And uh, please reach out on the website if you want to talk more. We'd be happy to. Stefan, I really appreciate you having us. I really enjoyed having me. I really enjoyed this conversation. Perfect. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. If you like the Performance of the Podcast, please subscribe to us and leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast application. If you want to find out more about Symphonic Digital, you can visit us at symphonicdigital.com or follow us on Twitter at SymphonicHQ. Thanks again and see you next time. Performance Delivered is sponsored by Symphonic Digital. Discover audience-focused and data-driven digital marketing solutions for small and medium businesses at symphonicdigital.com.